Welcome, David. Thank you for sitting down to talk with me today. We had a conversation a few years ago, you may or may not remember, when we were both teaching music. Um, and we were thinking about, I mean, in sophomore music, we do musical analysis, harmonic analysis of different pieces, not that different than what we do when we do cl close readings of other texts um, to sort of dig into the details to try to figure out what's going on. And I remember you made a comment that I thought was really interesting. Um, about the way that harmonic analysis might reveal something, which is not exactly what, you know, the meaning of a text, but sort of the world that the text is coming out of. What I was thinking of, the sort of epistemological context, sort of the artist is walking through the world, experiencing it in a certain way, and that that might seep into the piece of art in a way that we might detect in in the case of music, um, harmonic analysis. I think we were talking about sort of the one, four, five movement, which is so characteristic of so much music we listen to. In any case, I thought that was really interesting, um, thinking about the way art reflects sort of a walk through the world. Um, and I thought I wanted to start there. I'd like to ask you about that in general, just hear you think about that a little bit. But also, ultimately, and this doesn't have to happen immediately, I know that you are a photographer, and I'm curious about how that thinking informs your own work or how, how you think those two things together. What I think I recall of that conversation was that I was, I was saying something about the way that, that the structure of music um, reflects something about the human experience generally, that that um, one of the motifs for most of us in experiences is going away from home and then returning home, and that's and that's one of the structural aspects of of um, the musical traditions that we study in sophomore music. So there's that 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 level which has to do with with the way that the thing is crafted but i probably had in mind also or certainly have in mind these days the way that that art is um is conveying a general sense of the world um you know not just a motif like like away from home and return to home mm -hmm. but also but also um uh some sense of what kind of world this is, mm -hmm. um, what kind of quality it has, or what its atmosphere is. Mm -hmm. And uh, one way to understand the books that we study is that they are they are sharing with us a particular sense of 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 what it's like to inhabit the world and what kind of world this is, mm -hmm. um, and maybe helping equip us to to navigate the world better. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes me wonder whether, um, do you think that that capacity for art to reflect um, the world that we live in, is that on the artist's mind? Is that something intentional or is it the reflection, you, you kind of can't help it as, as someone who's living in a world? Mm -hmm. I, I want to think that, that relationship between the making mm -hmm. of the art and this these larger sort of forces at work. Mm -hmm. How do you think about that? I think the level on which we can't help it is very important because that's that's our sort of um, 
that's what becomes the the um, the ordinary way of of being for us is that we we have some uh, sense of what it is to be a person or a sense of what kind of world this is, and and we proceed on that basis. And so I think for most of us, it doesn't become especially conscious. It's it's just um, it's just our sort of um, our, our way of operating. And uh, and what might be distinctive about artists and and people who do a lot of thinking and writing is that they, is that they try to bring that forward in a more explicit way. Um, And I would say that part of what we're we're seeking when we encounter art or we read a good book is is um, is some some stronger, more coherent way of being in the world. So so um, so while for most of us it is just a kind of background thing, and we're not we're not especially aware of it, um, we sometimes sense that there's some kind of deficiency, or that or that we're not. Um, we're not as poised as we would like, or we're not as happy as we would like, or the world isn't making sense to us. And so then um, what the artist or the, the, the writer or the philosopher can offer is some, some rendering of a, of a more coherent uh, world. So, so I think for most of us, it's in the background. It's something we can't help or we don't address directly. But then um, there, there can be a more deliberate effort to, to bring it forward um, make it available to others, um, consider it oneself, and so on. And um, I would say this is part of what the life of the mind is for. Um, it's for the sake of thriving, and the thriving is accomplished at least in part by 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 coming to know one's world in a way that um, that can make it hospitable, or at least more hospitable than it would be otherwise. Um, so it's a way it's a, it's a way of becoming more fully at home. So. Um, that might bring us back a little bit to the to the structural language of music, mm-hmm. um, and and so music music becomes a kind of indicator of 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 one of the central challenges that we have, which is okay, how how indeed will I situate myself in the world such that I can um, thrive, or if not thrive, at least be okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I think the challenges are more severe these days than than mm-hmm. they may have been before. Um, not, not that I'm buying into a full declinist narrative, but I think um, I can at least say that this this era may not be worse than others, but it's different than others. It's 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 got its own way of being challenging. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting, and um, I wonder how you think about it when we get to senior year, where in some sense. Um, both our philosophic and literary readings seem to almost pose a challenge to this notion of coherence. In mm-hmm. some way, we feel as though something has gone wrong. Um, how do you think about that? Sure. I think we have a couple of tendencies in, in the traditions that, that we deal with in the undergraduate program. Um, they're, they're, from the very start, there's a kind of restlessness and also an impulse toward order. So in um, the Odyssey of Homer, which, which our freshmen read, um, Odysseus is away from home. He's he's struggling to get home. He he undergoes these various adversities. He's also adventuring along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Genesis, which, which we read in the sophomore year, um, we have an expulsion from the garden. Um, and so that's another kind of alienation or not not being in the place one would want to be. Mm-hmm. So you have you have a, a narrative in. Um, in the tradition of the Greeks, and you have a, a 
a narrative in the Jewish tradition, and both of those are talking about um, things not quite being right, and that and mm-hmm. and what it's like to not be where you would want to be, mm-hmm. um, and to be wandering. Um, uh, for example, in the Book of Exodus. So that's one tendency, and then we start to get a, a strong sense of clarity in the theological tradition and the philosophic tradition as. Um, um, as we sort of address the restless, restlessness through through trying to find um, ordered ways of of understanding ourselves and understanding um, uh, the cosmos, and uh, that's an effort which which by early modernity get, gets gets um, gets moved out of a religious frame into a into a, and it becomes a kind of secular endeavor. Um, the rise of of science and technology. Um, so if we started out aware of, of, of the liability to not be, to not have things as we want them to be, mm-hmm. um, that introduces a kind of insecurity. And then um, uh, there's a seeking of security, um, the security, for example, of religious salvation. Um, but by early modernity with people like, like Bacon and Descartes, there's a sense that we will seek security elsewhere. We're going to seek it through human endeavor. And this is this is part of the sort of the the advent of of the modern condition. Um, so, you know, to to oversimplify quite a lot, there's some way in which by the time we get to senior year, what we're seeing is is some of the results of of that effort. There was this um, effort to um, become more self sufficient um, in a strictly human sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out somehow that doesn't um, work as well as we'd like. On the other hand, the the the, the older approaches don't um, appear persuasive to to all of us, and so that introduces some, some kind of introduces a kind of tension which you see in War and Peace, where those characters are discussing um, problems about the meaning of life. Same thing in, in Brothers Karamazov, and in Brothers Karamazov, you especially see the problem of suffering that 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 suffering. Um, is is central to the human experience and is part of what raises the question of of, of what life is for and what it means, mm-hmm. and the question of to what extent suffering can be alleviated. Um, and I think that also shows up in in some of the texts we read later on um, uh, uh, concerning the history of slavery in America, and um, mm-hmm. it becomes clear that that. There's immense suffering that we inflict on one another, mm-hmm. and it's not. Um, and we have to we have to work through how you know how is it possible to have a world that's more just? So the overall, I mean, and this is this is just me sort of putting forward a very simplistic account, but but I, but it's helpful, I think, for for the educational project to have some some kind of some rough sense of. Mm-hmm. What things might amount to, and then and then you 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 try to stay open to revising it as as you find it insufficient. We're aware of alienation and and difficulty as as a fundamental condition of being human. That's there from the outset, um, and it's present in everyone's experience day to day. And um, and whether through religion or philosophy, there are these efforts to to find a more stable um, sense of assurance, a sense that that that. Um, there might be an ultimate order. And um, especially in our current time, this is very helpful because, because we're, we, we're sort of impoverished with regard to models of ways of being human. Um, 
you know, the, the, what, what's conventionally presented is so narrow. There are very, there are very few um, models. It's, it's, um, um, it's being a consumer or being an earner or being an economic actor or being um, or um, or sort of um, elaborating one's selfhood in some way, and those are um, those are some of the the visions that are available to us if, if we're just sort of inhabiting the popular culture. But what's helpful for most of us, or would be helpful, is to have a, a broader palette of possibilities, a, a broader set of, of visions of of, um, of what it could mean to be human. And I think that's part of what we do in the program is 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 walk through quite a few of those. In any case, we we. We have the sense of alienation as a fundamental difficulty. Um, we, we see these different ways of, of trying to resolve it. Um, but something happens in, 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 um, in the modern era fairly, and it's creeping up on us for a long time, but it becomes especially um, difficult in, in the last couple of centuries. Um, I'm not sure how to characterize it exactly, but something about where we end up um, makes makes meaning hard to get hold of. Um, and and by this, I mean the kind of meaning that would actually animate your daily life and and give you a sense that you you know where you stand or you know you know how to proceed. Mm -hmm. and And that goes back to the beginning of the conversation insofar as we're thinking about art as maybe a place where meaning like that, could be expressed. Mm -hmm. Is that, uh, I mean, maybe we can shift into thinking a little bit about your own mm -hmm. uh, relationship to your own art mm -hmm. um, and this question. Yeah. But so if, if we think about art as um, a place where in a world maybe impoverished of models for meaning, mm -hmm. that that's, that's the call. I mean, to, is that how you're thinking about it? Mm -hmm. Despite being a kind of amateur practitioner myself of mm -hmm. of, of something like art, I, I I have mixed feelings about its sufficiency. I think um, I think what it does for me is um, it helps me apprehend a kind of unity to experience that might otherwise be hard to get hold of. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a good practice, and I think that's um, it's been very nourishing to me. So, so what I've what I've been doing on and off since I was a teenager is is doing black and white photography first in film, with with film, and then more recently digital. And I uh, that has somehow always felt of a piece with with the the more sort of um, abstract or or or. Um, uh, linguistic or conversational or book-oriented um, efforts. Um, and so it's not that it's disconnected for me from, the from let's say, the philosophic project, but, um, but I don't know whether I can subsist on, on just what I get from, from trying to see the world, um, trying to step into a kind of coherent vision through, through artistic practice. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, but maybe all that means is that, the, is that the same provisionality that I think applies to, to philosophic work also applies to art, that, that I would be, I would be um, foolish to think that I'm already in possession of, of some complete <laughs> answer or some complete response. Mm -hmm. I do think having having these things um, uh, um, as ways of being tethered are very helpful and and um, 
and uh, great sources of, of joy. Um, so they're very good on that level. And, and I guess to, to go back to the sense of contingency, the, the part of what we emphasize here, and I think it's very important, is that, is that we, um, um, we mean to ask uh, questions, consequential questions, but we also are very suspicious of, of any tendency to prematurely settle on some kind of finished solution. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's a way in which we continue to be wandering a little bit like, Ulysses, like Odysseus, that we're, mm-hmm. we're sort of, um, you know, we're, we, we want to explore plenty of things um, and, and we expect to arrive home, but, um, but there's something, there's some way in which to, to, um, to settle prematurely would be, would be a problem. I, I guess I wanted to um, not leave this yet because mm-hmm. I wanted to ask a little bit about, um, you make a nice comparison between the kind of work we do here and what it means to artistically engage artistically with the world. But I wanted to ask, and this is partly just because I think that you have lots of interests that are kind of, I don't, we can mm-hmm. talk about this, mm-hmm. but in conversations, a kind of something about the world and the resistance of the world and and being in the world and doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a dangerous dichotomy to have that and then the life of the mind. I don't think that's quite right. But Mm -hmm. because you are someone who sort of dives into that realm of making, if we could reflect a little bit on the difference. So there are these similarities. But in your experience doing photography, um, what's different about using your hands or can mm-hmm. you talk about that sort of world making thing that happens in photography versus say the way we find meaning in the books mm-hmm. being embodied being in the world um knowing how to fix things knowing how to make things um you know which could be everything from from you know knowing how to do things with machines to knowing how to you know um repair something in your house, um, knowing how to cook, knowing how to make clothing, um, that, that these are all activities which, which though some of them are newish, like, like working on, on uh, you know, engines and things, the, the, these, are, these are deep, durable aspects of being human, and they are really important to, to our being full human beings. Um, and if if one were to try to inhabit a realm of pure abstraction or or or, or um, a realm of pure thought, um, that wouldn't be a happy condition. And um, now, someone at this point might bring up um, the the kinds of claims that get made about contemplation in um, in the ancients and also um, in uh, in uh, like Dante's Divine Comedy, where where there's some kind of vision of the ultimate, and it looks to be a vision that wouldn't have a lot to do with gritty things like like eating, um, uh, you know, or taking a walk out in in um, in a world of of stuff. Um, but to me, it seems that that these embodied activities are contemplative activities um, and are not. Um, uh, 
fundamentally different from, from a direct apprehension of what's real. So if you were to have a kind of theological vision of, of the deepest reality of things, um, I'm not sure that would be distinguishable from, from what, um, what it's like to um, have already had it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be of a different kind. It'd be distinguishable, but not. But not a totally different kind of thing from what it's like to have um, a deep relation to the things around you and to have a kind of um, a sort of intimacy with one's world. So, so I think what I'm after, it, or what I mean to say, is that that there's a there's a kind of that there, there's something contemplative in embodied experience and contemplation is not something remote from or, or um, disdainful of um, very ordinary things like like the wilderness um, um, like the the various implements one uses to get things done um, so the intellectual project the, the project of of reading and thinking and discussing um, that we undertake here and which is um, um, a, a kind of introduction to this this lifelong undertaking of the life of the mind. Um, that I see as being um, oddly not. In, it's not at a different level or or in some other realm from from knowing how to be in the world, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe an odd claim. I don't know if it, if it if it's if it would make sense, but but that's how it looks. I like I like the claim. Um, it leads me to another question, which is when we're thinking about our lack of, of models, say, and you listed a number, which um, I'm not going to be able to remember, but things like consumption mm-hmm. and maybe sort of self-expression um, mm-hmm. in a certain way, different models we have of li- living meaningful lives, which maybe are um, deficient in some mm-hmm. way, not enough in mm-hmm. some way. When you bring the philosophical sort of life of the mind, where one might think, well, the way back, the way to a more meaningful ground might be to engage these deeper thoughts. Um, some people turn to religion, mm-hmm. you know, to get something soulful in sure. some way. Yeah. Um, but by weaving it together, as you just have, and I appreciate, with just doing stuff in the world, that those aren't actually separate activities. It does make me wonder what kind of model, if we were to imagine models, it doesn't look as though the model would necessarily, or even sort of, we wouldn't privilege, I'm not exactly, the wise, you know, sort of yogi Mm -hmm. outside the world who who knows and we go and seek wisdom from, you're suggesting something much more integrated. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think that renunciation um, is where it's at, uh, <laughs> because separation from from the ordinary, um, to my mind, has to be for the sake of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. That is to say, it's it's not that that life as lived is is some kind of um, um, terrible thing that we ought to denounce and there's some other um, uh, pursuit that would be better. Um, it's rather that to whatever extent we step away from the ordinary, as one does when you, you know, when going to college, for example, um, it's it's for the sake of, of becoming better attuned to the real, mm-hmm. um, um, 
where one presupposes a fairly nuanced sense of what the real is. The real is not just um, pursuing economic goods, for example. Um, uh, and this is what's so, so I think, um, vivifying about, about what we do at St. John's is that, is that one sees very powerfully portrayed these other um, understandings, whether it might not, like a vision of, of the human being that's not economic, mm-hmm. um, not reductive. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about whether we get an example of, of a human who is really the intersection where the philosophical meets the, I don't know what we want to call it, yeah. um, ordinary life. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of characters who struggle with that kind of tension. And then we get theoretical characters like Kierkegaard's Night of Faith, I would say, for me as an example. It's, you know, on the one, the kind of landing of the Night of Faith in the ordinary world, he looks just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, he goes home and enjoys his pot roast, or I think as compared to the tax collector, you know, there's no difference, no wavering difference between a being who is walking through the world in ordinary ways embodied and one who has sort of access to this nuanced sense of the real that make those ordinary ways somehow not superficial, but the deepest thing. Um, But I wonder if we have examples. I think it's hard when you think about it, what that model would look like, because the danger is we take just the worldly stuff Right. So someone is it, a, it it's not clear to me it's a, enough of an example to watch someone really enjoying their food mm-hmm. or really enjoying or being, you know, um, swept up in, in some kind of activity. Maybe it's something we sense. So if you have a musician, say, mm-hmm. who is very um, much engaged in their musical activity, fully embodying it. Maybe that's what we mean by mm-hmm. powerful music as someone who is somehow through the utterly ordinary transporting us in a way that we can't deny. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go and then think about it. We sort of are present mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be something like a model of this conjunction. Yeah, you're asking you're asking for for some some character who would who would represent the full integration? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that that guy in, in the Kierkegaard account is is helpful here. That he he he's going to be pretty ordinary in the way he comes across, mm-hmm. um, but he is while he's out in the world thinking about the dinner that that he'll have when he gets home. Um, and that's so something about the dignity of of the ordinary. Um, and it's its own kind of miniature homecoming. I mean, it's not. It's not sort of. Um, it doesn't have the scale of of what we see in the Odyssey. But but it, it's it's showing something about about what um, what human fullness would look like. Um, I think my larger sense about this is that is that we get little hints here and there. We we you know we don't often get a full picture because the full picture is going to look mythical. Um, uh, what we have instead is these, these little insinuations um, that that show up in 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 poetry and and in the you know in the more um, uh, sort of um, poetic mode of philosophy like you mm-hmm. have in Plato and Kierkegaard. What do you mean it would be it would show up as mythical? I th- I think. 
I think it starts looking like you're you're talking about human perfection rather than than um, mm -hmm. what it is to be human, as 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 most of us uh, find credible. And so, um, you know, stories of 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 divine characters or or mm -hmm. you know characters who are not not ordinary mm -hmm. um, that th those those um, are the sorts of persons that that represent the wholeness fully, but. But um, what we find more often in, in literature um, is um, figures who have some portion of it. So again, if you look at Dostoevsky, there you know these different brothers in in the Brothers Karamazov um, uh, seem to be conveying different different aspects of of humanity. But but there's no single one who seems to have it all. Mm -hmm. um, even though maybe some of them are more more admirable than others. Yeah, it reminds me of Virginia Woolf. I just did a precept on Virginia Woolf, and uh, especially in The Waves, although I think in all of her works. So you were just thinking about that partiality in terms of the brothers representing different parts. We can't get the whole, that would look mm -hmm. divine. And I, my sense is that Virginia Woolf does it sort of temporally, mm -hmm. the notion that you don't always get to sit in the seat of this conjunction, yeah. <laughs> and that that's not tragic, that's mm -hmm. human. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think she does a lot of work, especially at the end of that book, where we get this character, I don't know if you've read it recently, but Bernard, everyone has struggled throughout the book, sort of feeling enlivened and present and full, and then alienated and mm -hmm. distanced. And he's an old man at this point, and he goes from maybe one of his lowest moments of feeling like disconnected from the world. There is no point. Um, people don't see him. And he walks out of this restaurant and it's sort of um, maybe it has just rained and it's an evening. And he feels it, it's not even his choice. It just happens. He feels enlivened. And he's suspicious of it because he knows the way it comes and it goes. And he sort of has this moment of like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to get back on the horse because of course I'm going to get back on the horse. And it's yeah. such a beautiful moment of sort of onward, despite the fact that of course it's, it's never, you never get to land in it fully. Yeah. Um, so that temporal version of you feel it and you don't feel it, you feel it and you don't feel it. You can take that, and I think we read people who do as this is the unhappy consciousness. This mm -hmm. is a sign of deficiency. If we could sort of be our full, you know, fully realized, that would cease being the case. And then we get authors that I find really persuasive who, who make it a case, this is what it means to be human. And that means that when you're down and out, you're actually, you know, you don't get to talk yourself out of that quite. But with a certain perspective, you recognize it as part of part of the whole, you, yeah. you know, um, yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's maybe a kind of perfectionism that, that is, um, that can be a problem because it falsifies experience, it, that, that actual experience has that, that up and down quality and that sense of, of being um, kind of messy and, mm -hmm. and often very unpleasant. And um, <laughs> that, yeah, there's a kind of honesty in, in, in the books you describe and, uh, um, Somehow, well, it would seem to me that, that part of our goal in in um, in um, learning about ourselves and learning about the world would would be would be to get to the point where um, one is not 
inclined to, to, to kind of adopt an escapist perfectionism where you sort of say, well, um, this is all much too, too um, you know, grubby and undignified and, and, and there ought to be some other um, way of doing things that, that, that would allow me to evade these, these experiential problems. I think part of what happens in popular music in the 20th century is, is, a, is a kind of um, a kind of embrace of, of, the, of the fact that ordinary life is difficult and you, and you see this in blues and jazz that um, in contrast to, the, to the, the way that music had, had sometimes posited a kind of tidy home, mm-hmm. um, uh, the blues and dra- jazz traditions um, seem to say um, there, isn't, there isn't going to be a home that, that's simply resolved. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a kind of, that's a response to suffering and a kind of a way of, of um, it's a kind of wise um, acknowledgement of, of, the, of the way that things, um, things will not become um, simple for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be, it might be that, that, that music and, and, and literature and other forms of art can, can help us be more um, more adaptable and more resilient in the face of, of the inevitable difficulties. Mm-hmm. So I feel like one might hear the distinction between um, sort of the life of the mind and this embodied life and think that they are separate things, sort of that, that you're um, drawing our attention to this embodied, uh, less coherent sort of messiness. But, but it feels like you're doing something more than that. Mm-hmm. A, can you talk about the relationship between those two a little as you see it? Sure. I think what we're doing when, when, we, um, when we have the kinds of conversations we have at St. John's, um, which are always grounded in some particular text and can sometimes seem very abstract or very, very, um, uh, very much not concerned with with the tangible. I think what we're doing is is learning how to be more fully ourselves, and um, that's going to fit with being more fully present in the world and and um, and and being better at thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ultimately see a an important distinction between what I'm calling the life of the mind and, and, um, and, and fully being in the world that, that, um, that this is a, this is a unified pursuit, um, that it's, it's, it, it's, it's who we are as human beings that we want to reflect on and understand our experience. And these books that we read are, are, you know, highly elaborated, extremely sophisticated, um, approaches to to uh, what it is to be human um, but they're not separate from being human they're 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 um, they're in some kind of interplay with with um, the 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 dailiness of of being human you know when the distinction comes up between between sort of thought on the one hand and and life on the other that seems to me a, 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 a not very helpful distinction and um, and one which um, is a kind of distraction that 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 uh, it's our tendency as human beings to 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 think about what happens, what we see, 
um, uh, what we undergo, um, the, the, the world that we encounter. Um, we want to understand it. We want to have some kind of insight about it. And, um, and so the, the life of thinking and discussing is, is of a piece with just sort of ordinary, uh, ordinary doing and ordinary living. Um, and I might even go so far as to say that, that, that part of what, what we try to do here is, is to, um, is to chip away at or diminish that distinction, which is an artificial distinction to begin with. Um, the sense that there's, there's some kind of um, really brainy thing that one does over here um, that's removed from ordinary life, and then over here is what, what everyone else is doing. That, that's a false distinction. Uh, one of the really remarkable claims that's implicit to the, the activity at St. John's is, is that um, a life of, of thinking and reading and conversing is, um, is something that belongs to everyone. That it's not, it's not a sort of, um, it's not a kind of removed activity just for the few. It's an activity um, that all of us have access to simply because we're human beings. Um, and so just as there's not a kind of, the, you know, there's not properly a division among different sorts of people where some people, um, you know, some people can do this and they do it because it's prestigious or it makes them feel special and other people don't do it or can't do it. It's, it's more like this is, this is something which, which all of us, um, um, do already um, from childhood. We're asking questions about the world. We're trying to understand the world. Um, you know, a small child is constantly asking, you know, why are things this way or what is that? You know, they're, they're trying to understand. They're asking these questions. Um, that's, that's a kind of picture of, of what it is to be human for all of us, that we all have that kind of disposition to try to understand. And, um, and therefore, a really intensive activity like what we do at St. John's is really is really something that belongs to everyone. Um, um, so there's no there's no kind of division among types of people, as far as I'm concerned. And, there, and there's also not a kind of division in my own approach where I sort of have a partition. Um, like there's there's practical stuff over here, and then there's 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 thinky stuff over here. It's more like um, you know when I'm doing something um, like like trying to make an image in photography. Um, or trying to fix something around the house, um, there are things to reflect on there. And there, there are aspects of that activity that bring me into fuller touch with, with, um, with something like a full world. Mm -hmm. um, and, that there, and that nearly everything in one's experience is, is, is appropriate for thinking, is appropriate to, to, to wonder about and to, um, and to have a kind of you know, exhilarated... Um, uh, reflective um, relation to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's really nice. Um, it strikes me that that idea of being in touch with a fuller world, mm -hmm. a more full world, and the way that can happen, um, that that's something like the goal. Because I think that the same way you can go about your business and sort of fix things in your house or do what you need to do a little bit mindlessly. I mean, mm. so much of our life is spent that way. Um, you can also do intellectual activity that way. Yeah. Just because you're saying the words yeah. doesn't mean you're actually 
sort of present to the world that you're engaging with. So to, I, I like the bridge because it does seem to me the goal is to live in that enhanced relationship to the world as much as we can. Um, and it's, it's that versus the sort of sleepwalking version that we're after and to separate it as the thinking stuff and then and sort of like the ordinary stuff and then the intellectual stuff. That seems to be mm-hmm. a really false dichotomy to me. Yeah, that's that's right. And and I think this is part of why we try to avoid conventionalized thinking. Um, that, I mean, part of why we spend so much time with questions. Um, it's it's not because it's 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 necessarily good for us to just constantly be um, at a loss with regard to things and sort of you know be 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 um, kind of stuck in in some kind of perplexity. Um, Perplexity is very pr- productive, um, it, but what we're what we're doing when we ask questions, I think, is is um, is avoiding being being on a on a sort of um, pre-established track that would be just a kind of um, uh, a canned or conventional way of thinking. Um, so we don't want to be on autopilot when it when it comes yeah. to our, our thought. Um, uh, so, so that you know, so that sounding smart would be another ritualized thing, just like you know, <laughs> like washing the dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think, I think, I think we're trying to see the world as a whole, and we're trying to see ourselves um, to whatever extent possible as as um, complete, and and seeing an integration among the different the different um, things that we do. Um, um, and uh, and not choosing any particular aspect of human existence and saying, well, that that that's low and not not worth our attention. It's all it's all worth our attention, and mm-hmm. and nearly everything can be thought about and thought about in a, in a in a in a way that that feels um, fresh, like mm-hmm. that we're really trying to understand it, and we're not simply bringing a set of prepared notions, um, and uh, you know, and, and trying to reassure ourselves with some kind of um, um, ready-made understanding. That's really nice. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. I yeah. too. Okay. Continuing the Conversation is a 20-episode web and podcast series produced by the St. John's College Communications Office in partnership with 12FPS and a Warehouse Productions. To continue the conversation with St. John's College, which offers a bachelor's degree in liberal arts, in-person and online master's degrees in liberal arts and Eastern classics, as well as summer academy for high school students and summer classics for lifelong learners. Go to sjc.edu.